Two questions. I think my first question is um, for both of you who I'm committed to your podcast and listen all the time and laugh and I'm thankful for both of you, both as individuals and also in in terms of the work that you do. Thank you. Um, So I want to talk about the role of institutions, particularly institutions who've co-opted social justice and departments that have co-opted social justice and the work of like decolonization, anti-blackness, anti-racism, Um, and how we can commit to keeping those spaces honest and truthful. I think that's one question, particularly in institutions like this and other ones. Um, And then I think my question is about disrupting the left, Uh, particularly through the most recent municipal election in Toronto. I think we've seen that we are not located all in the same geographic space in the left. Um, So I'd like to hear your thoughts uh, in particular on Toronto's left and the problematics of that, in particular in terms of like white supremacy and anti-blackness and how that continues to shape our interactions or lack thereof and what we need to do as folks that are, you know, uh, precariously located on the left, particularly white folks. And so my question is about white folks. I want to be clear about that. Um, What they need to do uh, after this particular election uh, and the municipal election I'm speaking of. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I like. I hate talking about the election because it's just such bullshit from start to finish. Like the whole thing was, but like, who was looking at that election and thinking that it wasn't bullshit? Faith Golden Dawn. No, she knew it was bullshit. That's the whole She's point. She's loving it. She's fucking eating it. She's yeah, like, she, she knows how to manipulate bullshit. bullshit. Uh, John Tory, uh, John Tory knew that it was bullshit precisely, and that's why he did. Like, did anybody check out his website to see what his platform was? <laughs> there were there were two platform points on it. <laughs> I'm serious. There were only fucking two. And it was like two like really random like innocuous things. I can't remember what they were, but they were like no big. Sorry. No, 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 no. Tori. T- <laughs> not not fuck a beer on Tori's site, but uh, I can't. I can't remember. It was Toronto, what- so it's five bucks a beer, and they were like, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> but there was there was nothing about housing. There's nothing about how, like nobody was talking about the big ticket items at all. It was just like <laughs> it's like the election started, and I was like. Oh, this is a foregone conclusion. <laughs> it's a depressing moment. So what needs to happen? So there was this initiative in Toronto called Women uh, Win TO. I don't know anything about that really. Okay, <laughs> I just know that it happened, and out of it, like there was like some training and a lot of women who wouldn't have want- run ended up running. I have like no analysis on that because I literally know nothing about it. But <laughs> but wouldn't it be great if some of the like white men uh, political establishment did something like that in their communities so that it you know we didn't always have uh, a Cresson Council forevermore like <laughs> you know for for generations and generations <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't have to be that way and that's not like it's not it, this isn't a like sandy hates uh joel cressy like joe cressy like that's not that's not what i'm saying here um i know him like he's 
he's all right. Like, he probably listens to this every once in a while. <laughs> Maybe I'll tell him that I said this, but before he gets to listen to it. But, the, but like, my point is, like, the, the, like if, if they agree with us, and they say they do, that the, like, the way that um, council is set up doesn't make sense for a city like ours, well, Gord, Joe, Peruzza, like some of y'all, like Mike, Mike Layton, like, come on, like, set up your own kind of, like, organization to train people to run, get them set up years in advance, so it's not something that they're learning how to do literally four months before an election, which is like, it's not going to work, y'all, like, that's not, like, if you're running in a student's union, you need to know 12 months in advance, <laughs> tell me I'm lying, tell me I'm lying, if you need to know 12 months in advance to win at Ryerson, then you need to know a little bit longer in advance to run for the municipal elections, I'm, I'm serious, it's not easy work, it's really, really hard, and they know that. They know that, and they could help to train and move aside and provide space for a new establishment. Like, yes, um, Ford did the thing with the 47 to the 25 or whatever. Like, he, like, yeah, that was a brilliant strategy of the right to like make, like, create political infighting amongst the the people, like the powers that be on the left and so on. Brilliant strategy on their part, and it worked. But like it could have gone differently. Like there could have been different ways to respond to it rather than okay, so everybody like you like we have to rely on the incumbents and so on. Like there there could have been a different response to it, um, and perhaps we didn't <clears throat> have we <laughs> they didn't have the political imagination to think about a new way of engaging so that we could shift the narrative. But now we're stuck with and again a not representative council. So like I think at this point it's up to us to like turn the question back on them because in some ways uh, the municipal level is like a fucking joke but in some ways the municipal level is the most important level because it's the closest to your neighborhood. It's where you can make like super tangible changes on literally how you live. And I think it's I think we should be turning to them now, you know, like, okay, so the election, we got four years, okay? So what are you gonna do to make sure that this council looks different? And don't tell me you're gonna fight for more people because that might not work, okay? So what are we gonna do? It might have to be you stepping down. That is actually the work of this work, of anti-racist work, of work for justice. That's what it looks like. And so let's, let's actually start to do that work. Like, no. Be real about it. I'm going to respond, and then we can respond to the second question. Um, oh, I forgot the second question already. Oh, yeah, right. okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, you know, I don't know. Uh, okay, so first of all, the, the Toronto left has a white supremacy problem, right? The left has a white supremacy problem, but the Toronto left, it's, it's pernicious, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, white people, have any of you talked to Perks? Cressy, Layton, and been like, why the fuck won't you get out of the way? Like, w like we literally need you to get out of the way if we're gonna put someone into these positions. You know, it's like, you, it, it's not a fucking birthright. It's not a given. It's not a fucking reward for all of your super hard work for having to have the same last name as someone else. Both Layton and Cressy have that, mm -hmm. right? What about those of us whose last names mean shit? Right? White people included. 
right? And so it's like, no, no, we have to make those spaces and we have to use whatever power we have. And some of us have more power than other people because we have, we have proximity to these people or maybe we have histories with them or maybe we know them or maybe we don't, but we have a lot of fucking, we're faking it and we're just walking in their office and be like, yo, what's up? Like, why are you doing this? And if the response is that it is their birthright, that it, they work very hard, they deserve it, they'll never step down, that this is gonna be what they do until they fucking get ousted or they retire, then you organize for three years to replace them. Yeah. Now, the, the, the system itself is where it gets the most rotten because this is where it gets ordained on high and you don't know where those decision-making structures are, right? In the NDP, it's not so hard because you can show up at a, at a council, at a, at a writing nomination meeting and you actually can win a, a candidate. And so you have to do that work, right? That is, that is hard work. And so that, you know, who are you helping? Who are you getting involved? And, you know, the Ontario election was pretty exciting. There was really cool people who were running and got elected. And that was great. That's a victory. The problem, of course, is then the actual party. Like, I don't know what they're trying to do to stop those activists from speaking out or getting involved or whatever. But in Toronto City Council, it's like, you, if, if white people don't literally give up space, then we still have that space. You know, it's it's not it's not much more complicated than that. Yeah, we in in you know in Quebec in Quebec Solidaire, uh, there's two co-spokespeople. One of the founding co-spokespersons is a guy called Amir Kadir, right? And Amir, if you don't know him and you don't speak French, it's kind of too bad. If you do speak French, check him out because the stuff that Amir says is wicked. He, the guy's a doctor. He's a revolutionary. He's his political analysis is awesome. He was throwing shoes at George Bush back when it was like not cool to do that, right? For a politician, <laughs> and uh, and Amir announced that he was retiring, and. It, a white man could have taken that riding. And Amir passed the torch to a, a racialized woman that comes out of the environmental movement and like the, the uh, like economy, environmental economy. And she's elected, right? It's as simple as that. We have a fucking caucus of 10 people. Out of those 10 people, it's five women, five men, two racialized people, one queer person out of 10 people. Not bad, not bad. But that, take a lot of, that took a lot of work and it could be better, right? It totally could be better. Um, but that, that takes a lot of work, and if your focus is on the polls, is on winning, is on sneaking around these like bureaucratic measuring maneuvers, is it going to court and all this kind of shit, then you're not doing anti-racist work because there's finite time. So do that work. Be self-critical. Don't get all freaky about how fucking you know you're all weird about being white. It's just like, yeah, I'm fucking white. Okay, so. How do I use that? How do I help people? How am I listening to people? Are people asking me to get the fuck out of the way, right? <laughs> get out of the way! Institutions. Institutions. I mean, I, the only thing I can say about institutions on the, it's like, um, academics are not great. Academics need to be challenged. Uh, academics uh, are too comfortable, I think. Uh, and, and, the, and the problem with academics being comfortable is that the university system has no need to realize that every sessional justifies another sessional, right? So every time that you have someone teaching one course costing $5,000, you do not have one professor with two courses costing you $90,000 or even more, right? M much more, but at the, at the starting years, 90,000 and up. And so if you're a professor and you listen to this podcast, which I actually suspect there are very few, unfortunately, it's like, I know, I know it's so wicked. I know there are some in there in this room, it's so wicked. <laughs> but you have to use, again, you use your power, use the power that you have. You have relative power. You might be in a, in a department with lots of power. You might, be in a, you might have an identity with lots of power. Use the power that you have and fucking throw that power around and, and kick your union into action and, and don't let it be shitty if you can or find your spaces to do that work. Actually, Matt really does it. Matt Sears, if you look him up, this guy is all like, fuck 
white professors and the poor guy is getting his fucking ass handed to him on the online all the time, right? By John fucking K, right? Fuck John K. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Um, but it's also for us to not get too like high on our own supply when we're in a university. It's like this is an elitist piece of shit institution as well. And so is the revolution starting here? No fucking way, right? It's not. Um, what does the university have that's awesome? It has spirit and energy and fucking young people. Right? It's like when you go to a labor convention and you're like trying to engage labor people and they're all like old and crusty and they're like, fuck you. You're like, oh man. Organizing students was like shooting fish in a barrel. You know, you're like, I got freezies. And they're like, that fucking girl's got freezies. I will do anything for those freezies. And not only were those freezies almost nothing, because by the way, if you call Mr. Freeze and you pick them up yourself and mark them, they are almost free. Um, then all of a sudden people are doing whatever the fuck you want, right? It's like, so, so the campus is like, is, is rich with spirit and energy and young people and ideas and excitement. And, and it needs direction and, and organization and resources and an independent student union and a fucking coalition of campus activists and organizers that have the, 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 the plight of students primary, tuition fees, student debt, secondary related, quality, racism on campus, sex on campus, sexual assault, fucking uh, gender neutral bathrooms, like all of these things that make up the richness of society on a university campus. And then you fucking shit on every fucking enemy that you have in that space, whether they're a professor, whether they're in the institution. And you know who they never will be? They will never be the food service workers. They will never be the people in the mailroom. They will never be the custodial workers. They will always be with you. And you fucking be there for them when they need you. The other thing about institutions, it's not just educational institutions, right? Like the, the province had its anti-racism unit. The city is starting the, the anti-black racism. What, what, is, what does CABER stand for? What is the C for? The C is not for strategy. It's, ca it's the CABER unit, the C-A-B-R. You know? Okay, anyway, like the city is doing like an anti-black racism thing. And, but we know that John Tory doesn't actually care about that and doesn't want anything to go forward on that. And that when the anti-racism uh, directorate, I think it's still like technically in existence, but probably won't be for very long, that Kathleen Wynne didn't actually really care about that either. Um, but, what, but I think it's important to recognize what it's telling you. As, as us as organizers. What it tells us as organizers when Ryerson says we need this strategy and U of T says, okay, we have to do that, is that our organizing was effective enough for them to say it is embarrassing for us to not have to make a little bit of movement on this. So we have to have some sort of PR strategy that proves to the world that we care about black people, racism, whatever it is. And that is important feedback for an organizer. It is, it's stupid because they're not actually doing good work, but it's important feedback because it reveals a contradiction that you can then exploit. The contradiction is now they have this thing that says they don't, that they care about anti-black racism, and here is all of this anti-black racism. And you can now even more easily paint for anybody who's watching, look at the contradiction. They say they're doing this stuff. They say that they care about this stuff, but I am telling you they don't, and I can prove it now even more easily because they had to move a little bit because we made them. And that, that, feed, like that feedback loop, we have to recognize what that is. It's, like, it's, a, it's an important 
uh, tell of how you've shifted, managed to shift culture on a campus, in an institution, in a province, whatever, what have you. Um, and it's annoying because like, then you have to do the work of proving to people that like, when, the, when the government, for example, co-opted our free tuition, when we were doing a, we were doing, we were doing a massive free tuition campaigns for years, and then the government announces that there's free tuition. Well, it's not. Like, there's this massive contradiction. Tuition fees are going up, and there is free tuition. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. We need to ex like exploit and tell people about this contradiction. But it takes a lot of time to have to walk back and tell everybody, like, no, what the government is saying isn't true. They're, they're just co-opting our words because they know that they have to because we made it so impossible for them not to respond to this demand of free tuition. Yeah. So it sucks, but it tells us something really important about where our organizing is at. Uh, hey, so I'm a graduate student at U of T, and since I started... I'm really sorry about that. Yeah. Well, just wait, just wait. Since I started, my program has been merged into the Monk School. Um, so um, and a few of us are here, um, and we're all Monk students now. Um, and we're really Don't trying call to yourselves that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been trying to organize around the Monk name and around mining um, and feel like we have literally no supports um, and also no organizations like you spoke of that can give us that support externally. So in that kind of environment where we feel like we're just at grand zero and are in a cohort of students who are very professionally focused and not focused on organizing, where do you go from there when you just feel like you don't have just like the basic logistics down? Mm -hmm. I think I need more information. <laughs> uh, what do you mean when you say you don't have the basic logistics down? Like, do you um, mean you don't know what to do? Or I think like the basic organizing education um, is something okay, that okay. we haven't had. Mm -hmm. So no support for folks who can hear, like no support from faculty, fellows, or, yeah. Oh, upper, upper, upper class. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what do you do? Uh, you have a workshop uh, hosted by us. <laughs> we love to teach you exactly what to do. Uh, no, but that, that's like only half facetious. Like there are, there's a wealth of information in this room, actually, and hopefully, um, you know, maybe when this is over, people will exchange information because there are a number of people who can help you figure it out. As someone who's organized on the U of T campus for longer than I'm willing to admit, there's <laughs> professors will come. Uh, only after you've done a lot of work. They, they will not come to support you at, in the beginning. It's too risky. They don't know if you're in it for the long haul. <laughs> you know, they've got, they've got uh, supports that they need and so on, or, uh, you know, like different... You know, the, the politics of the professor world is really weird and annoying. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, you know, it's really frustrating as students. Um, some professors who should be there right at the beginning aren't, and some who should be there at the beginning will come find you as soon as they hear about the, the stuff that you're doing. So don't despair because there are no professors. But the good thing is that students are in abundance. They're like freaking, like they're all over the campus. And at U of T, the quality of those students <laughs> is sometimes really difficult, but I promise they exist. Uh, the ones who support you, because there's a long history of really great organizing at U of T. Um, it might feel like 
you don't have the resources. But the, the, the juicy thing about U of T is that it is such a well-resourced institution. And you can manipulate those resources so easily. Like, I, I did it for longer than I'm willing to admit. And it takes, it takes a little bit of boldness and a little bit of courage um, and a lot of risk-taking. But just imagine what you want. Like, imagine what you want. And then write down all the things that you would need to do to get to that place. And, uh, like, it is, it's like, <laughs> changing things at the University of Toronto is like pulling teeth. But the mo most important thing is changing the people and the things that they are thinking, like who, who you are learning with, like changing the conditions under which they learn, changing what they think about what they're learning, changing their critical perspective on the program that they're in. Like those are the biggest wins because those wins will result in later on when organizing needs to happen around mining or so on, that those people will remember the organizing that you did. And maybe they'll reach out or maybe they'll be passive supporters. Either way, it's a bonus, it's a plus. If you end up changing the institution actually, plus one, like bonus victory, okay? But it's really hard to make change at massive institutions like universities. And so, I, like, I really do think that if you, if you are stuck in your organizing and maybe this is the first time you're doing it and you're just not familiar or comfortable or so on, like phone a friend. Uh, they're, they're, they're so everywhere. There's so many of us who have had training through so uh, different types of organizations, whether it be unions, student unions, grassroots organizing, whatever it is. Like there are people around who can tell you and can tell you specifically at U of T uh, what you can do uh, to really embarrass them because that's how you get U of T to do anything. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, there's some simple stuff like hold a forum, like hold a forum that's like, who is Peter Monk? Boom, mm -hmm. something as simple as that. And it'll freak people out. Like it'll freak out the administration and they'll be like that. That's a school where there was like a separate door for the plebes, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And is that still there? I don't know. Are, are people still required to enter through the, the door on Devonshire rather than the door on Bloor? The one at Trinity, you're still by Trinity College? Or the public, or are you the Canadian, like the Canadiana building? Canadiana. Okay. Um, yeah, so, so you know, you put, out, you put out the signals that way through events, and the events should be free, because you just come into your classroom, and maybe, maybe you get a pool of people to pay for pizza or something like this. And you start to have these critical discussions, and that actually will create your next event, and it'll create your next event. You know, you're not going to get the school defunded, but do people know about the politics of him? Do people know about the politics of name ownership in this fucking province? Right? At every like the name on every person in every building in this in the city, especially because all the same people. Most of these people are shitty, right? And so, like, what is the politic of per literally purchasing a building? Right? It's like, why is the student, can the student center at Ryerson called the student center and not called the fucking center of fucking, uh, I don't know, Claude Lajeunesse? <laughs> There's only one person in the room that gets that joke. <laughs> and it's because students fought to have this building and we won this building and we fucking own it and we didn't name it, right? Because no one could buy us. But you, know, you don't even know that. You're just here. Like, it's the student center. This is wicked, right? Why is this room called the, t t this the t Tecumseh room, I think, isn't it? Yeah, like, we called it that because we were honoring Tecumseh. Like, you know, the politics of naming, like we're always talking about um, Johnny McDonald, which I think is an interesting discussion, but like no one freaked out when the Sky Dome lost its name. That was cool. 
There's, okay. a, there's a few people who some people did not Skydome. like the Skydome loot, but I mean, like you know, we're, we're cool with people buying a building and then naming it after themselves, but all of a sudden we like can't talk about genocide and stuff. Like you know, so there's so many interesting things that you could do that are really lo-fi, really, and it'll free people out and it will it will feed what comes next. And I think this might be our last question. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and one more thing. Do you do you folks know about the list? Oh, it's not about it's not a student union thing. <laughs> the student union's at U of T right now. <laughs> uh, Let's not talk about it. But uh, there's there's a thing called the list that is run by professors that came out of the 2015 strike that happened at U of T. And uh, once a month, some professors run an event on a an issue. Um, and actually, the last list was on October 25th. It's uh, and they the issue that they talked about was corporatization of campus. And Monk was a huge part of that. So there are people who are doing this work on campus already. And I'm happy to put you folks in contact with those people because some of those people have been doing this work for a really long time and probably have some things to share and would be really excited to connect <laughs> with some students who are interested in doing that work from within. So report back from the, from the rally. One of the chants was pepper on burritos, not in my eyes. Because people got pepper sprayed, it's crazy. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna continue with the with the with the topic of what do you organize and how do you organize. I'm I'm gonna be very concrete, give a very concrete example, but don't think only about my example. But just try and think of how you could do it in something else that you're actually interested in. So in the last couple of years, uh, properties that uh, rental properties got tax freezes. And many of them are paying less taxes than they used to. And there is in the residential act and the resident, whatever it's called, in the, in the law, there is something that says that if that reduction is more than 2.49%, then the tenant should get a chunk of that uh, reduction. What ends up happening, in fact, is that the city of Toronto will mail people uh, a letter that says you can take a rent reduction. People go to their landlord, their landlord says, no, we're still debating whether that's going to go through or not. And then people forget about it or they're afraid not to pay enough. Sometimes they do take out the reduction themselves and they get a letter from the landlord saying, nope, you're behind on rent, when in fact they're not. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm saying all of this because we know now that people are going to get those letters in December. So here's one thing you can do. Find two friends. Always work in a group of three. Find two friends and then go to, go to buildings, find out which ones are affected by this, knock on every door, ask, them, ask, ask the neighbors if they want to organize a tenant association. All of a sudden, you have a tenant association that's not dealing with this. The, the problem is that this rent reduction is going to be like $7 a month. You know, some people are, are going to love that $7 extra, and a lot of people are going to be like, whatever, that's not worth a fight. But once you get them in the lobby of the building talking about their issues, boom, they're going to start clicking. Mm -hmm. They're going to start realizing there is an antagonism between me and my landlord. And, and you can take it from there. And the fascinating thing about doing organizing like that or organizing in the workplace is that you will see eye to eye with people who otherwise were thinking of, of voting for Faith Goldie. You will sit down and agree about the antagonism between the tenant and the, and the landlord with someone who otherwise supports the Liberal Party, right? It, it could be people with ideologies that are different, but that's to bring them one step closer to, to the struggle that, that we're trying to do. 
Mm -hmm. So again, I'm not suggesting that everyone should should go and do specifically that. Although I am suggesting that everyone should do that, uh, because it's it's such a ripe thing and it's so easy and it, there's there's so little to to uh, to mess up. I mean, if you go to a building and you get zero response, then you know you, you can you can go and cry about it, but no one is going to be affected negatively in the building. Um, if you do manage to, to create a tenant association, then boom, talk to Suze Morrison about it. Tell her we've done this. Let's make it a media issue. You know, if, if, it, if, if you find out that there's other issues in the building that are crazy bananas, then let's publicize them mm -hmm. or let's, let's do something about it. But what, what I'm trying to say is um, you, you don't necessarily have to know what the strategies that you take are. As long as there's something you're passionate about, get in it ask people for help, and, uh, and you know, again, you're, not, you're probably not gonna change the world, and that's really sad, and it goes back to what you guys were talking about. No! No! You are going to, you, okay, like, actually, though, it's really, really hard to organize if that's your frame of mind. But if you're organizing with the frame of mind, no, 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 I'm not saying that that's how you think. But like, if you, if you organize with the frame of mind of like, I'm probably not gonna change the world, but maybe I'll change a few things, that's what you're going to do, 100%. But if you organize with the frame of mind of like, I'm gonna win every fucking thing that I've ever wanted, you will do more, I promise you. Because if you think that it's possible, you will do more. It does no benefit to anyone to think I'm probably not going to win this fight, but here I am just doing it because somebody's got to do something. No, it, like, it doesn't do you any good. So you might as well force yourself to, like, I don't know if it's, if it's just like a weird thing that I've got, like, or if it's, if it's an actual possi possibility to change people's minds around these things. If you don't believe that you're going to win, you, you won't win on things. Like a, a good example on this, I'm sorry, I've just taken over your space, but <laughs> I'm just going to tell one quick story and then I'm going to give you back the floor is... So U of T, terrible institution, implements like this ridiculous thing uh, called flat feeds back in a while ago. A while ago. Um, and at the time, I'm the president of the students' union. And uh, the, the thing is, like, so everyone pays uh, for, for, for their tuition by how many courses they take. Each course costs a certain amount. And they've decided that they're just going to charge everyone a flat fee no matter how many courses you take. This is like a 66% tuition fee increase to a lot of people. Someone like me who couldn't afford to take more than three courses a year, like it, it was like I would never be able to go to this school. Like this is ridiculous. <laughs> like the, the fee structure was part of the, my ability to go to school. And so uh, they do this and you know, students start having these meetings and we start doing these fight backs and whatever. And then we have this one really depressing meeting where it's like, okay, well we lost a governing council and we're never gonna win this anyway. So you guys, we did a really great fight and um, like, you know, like we did everything that we could and this is it. And I was like, what? <laughs> No, <laughs> guys, we are actually going to win this. And uh, the lone soldier that I was went on to continue to fight that fight, literally, like would organize new people to fight this fight for years afterwards. I left U of T. I went to work for the Provincial Students' Union. Every time we had a lobby document, I was like, guys, we have to put this thing about flat fees in. They're like, it only affects the University of Toronto. I'm like, I don't care. I said I was going to win this fight, and I'm going to, and this is the thing that's going to make me win it. And it became such a bother and it became such this thing that it was always talked about that 
uh, the opposition students' unions, like the right-wing ones, were like, oh, God, you know, like maybe we should start talking about this because they keep talking about it. So now all the student unions in the country are talking about it. And then I go back to U of T and I'm like, oh my God, I can feel it. We're almost there, we're almost there. I'm gonna train all these new students about this whole thing that they haven't been fighting on for a while and we're just gonna go hard. And that's what we did. And then we fucking won. But you know, that took, that took, that took five years of literally one person being like, we can really win this. And everyone around me saying, I don't know if this is worth it. I don't know if we really can. But just believing it allowed me to do more. Because if I didn't believe it, I would have given up with everybody way back in 2008 or nine or whenever the fuck it was who decided to wash their hands of it. But if you believe that you will win something and you become the most annoying person in the world when you're dealing with it, like, I guarantee you, you're gonna be able to go farther. I, don't, I can't guarantee you that you'll win, but I guarantee you that believing that you'll win will take you farther than saying, ugh, <laughs> capitalism is so hard. <laughs> because it is, like, we're fucking doomed, but we might as well try to win. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're gonna win. We're gonna overthrow capitalism and white supremacy. Yeah, and I'm just gonna, so we do have to wrap up soon the time. Um, so I'm gonna do some housekeeping kind of announcements and then we should conclude. Um, so number one, we have to take down the room. So if you wanna help us stack chairs, that'd be sweet. Um, number two, uh, we do have costs for tonight and so we're out of pocket for the food and uh, the, the paying for the, the bar and paying for other costs. So if you want to give us some money, that'd be cool. Um, you can literally give us cash if you want, but it'd be cleaner uh, to give us money at the Patreon. So I think it's patreon.com slash Sandy and Nora. Um, so please give us some money if you can. Um, definitely tip at the bar. Definitely try and make sure that the student center is making some money off of tonight. I hope that they are. And, um, and I think that that's all the, the house, housekeeping. Um, on your specific question, you're also talking about moments to seize on. So right now there's this very specific thing that you actually can talk to people about. And knowing those moments is really important. And so you made me think about Bill 148, right? The, 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 um, the uh, uh, workplaces oh, yeah. thing, right? Um, and so with Bill 148, um, you know, everyone still has two paid sick days between now and the end of the year. So are we all getting people to take a fucking day off together? Right? Are we doing that work? That would be fun. That's easy. I know folks in the Fight for 15 are thinking about it, right? But that's a really easy way to fuck the government, fuck your employer, and make sure that people take advantage of the entitlements that they have before they're gone, because, you know, they might be gone. And then do you organize a group of people to all be sick at one time and then do something? And so they're getting paid to literally not go to work, right? So finding those moments, but that means you have to be on the ball, you have to be paying attention, or you have to be plugged into other movements that are doing that kind of work. And, um, and using those moments to capture people is critical because it's like, you know, things ebb and flow and people are like, fuck, I'm busy, I'm not interested in this shit. And it's like, yes, but you have one month to use these two sick days and they're paid. And it's like, are you sure? It's like, yeah. I'm not gonna get penalized. Well, you might, but we're gonna be, we'll have your back if you are. Okay, fucking wicked. And everyone takes a day off, and you all celebrate together and hang out and fucking debate and have political discussion. Who fucking cares what you do, right? Um, so using these moments is really, really important. That's a really good segue. Uh, I'm not a 15 in fairness organizer at all. I'm a freelancer. And uh, I took this pile of leaflets. You have to speak literally into the microphone if you want to be on. Oh, but I want to yeah, look it, at them. But you can take it off, the thing. It is a wireless mic. 
Hello, <laughs> holding court. Um, so, if folks do want to plug into the fight uh, against the um, the government's what do you say recendation? I don't know Cla clawback of <laughs> of the fifteen dollar recendation. No, no, I think I clawback know. is the one. <laughs> clawback is better. <laughs> I have a journalism degree from this institution. Um, <laughs> so if you want to join the fight back uh, against the $15 minimum wage being lifted, against uh, Bill 148 being lifted, there is a meeting um, this coming Tuesday, November 6th at 6 p.m. and I have this pile of flyers. I have no one to give them to you because I just work at home with my girlfriend. Uh, and so if you would like one, please grab it. And Ford's uh, number for his voicemail is on there too, so you can give him, give him a shout and vent a little. Thank you. Okay, so that's our show. That's the show. Um, so I cannot speak on Sandy's behalf in this moment, Could I do all the time sometimes. Sorry. Um, if you want to be in touch with me, like, just fucking call me anytime. Like, you can call me, you can email me, you can message me, you can ask. Yeah, so I'm talking, yeah. Don't call, Don't call me. Um, I will help you think through something or I'll ignore it, but, like, at least you might as well try. And, um, and if you're looking to be connected to stuff and you just don't know what's going on, reach out to us and... Maybe we'll reply. No, we will. Yeah. We'll, we'll reply. We, we do have an email, Sandy and Nora at protonmail.com, which you can check out. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.